Well, it seems like, I don't know, probably in the past six months, 70% of the time that Brad plays, he just ends up playing during a sermon. I think it's going to be a lot different from this morning. That's okay. I don't care if you fall asleep uh, in the next 30 minutes. I could care less. I am just going to prophesy this thing over this house. And I just want you to just really receive it. I encourage you not to take notes. Take notes with your heart. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking notes. I think notes are great. Uh, If you want to lay down, lay down. Just keep your hands to yourself. That's all I ask. (laughs) You want to lay on the floor, lay on the floor. Just receive this. You know, whatever you think about when you think about God, right off the bat, I'll tell you everything. If the word tender doesn't come to your mind, it doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't make me a bad person. It just shows that we don't know him yet. He's so tender. He's not tender towards the enemy, but he is towards his children. When angels look at us, they're actually in awe of who we are because they're not his children. We are. And our big brother is the king of the universe who sits beside the father, on the right hand of the father, intercedes for us. Holy Spirit is with us. Everyone in here, when we were in our mother's wounds, we're not robots sent to earth to do a bunch of duties. We're, we're human beings with his DNA inside of us, and he, he knits us together through love. Like when an artist, which I'm not, when an artist is really working on the project, he or she calls it a labor of love. It's love. You know, we're called his poema, his majestic poem. And the Father is so big that he sees seven billion people on the earth and people who have already lived and gone to be with him and then also people who haven't been born yet. He can see all of them at one time, but he also can see you individually. And that's what blows my mind about this creator because he's an artist. It's such a paradox because he's engineer and artist. He's both. But the artistic side of him, there's not a creation down here in the form of a human being that he's embarrassed about that he's mad about. You know, people that you do life with that are a little rough around the edges and seem to be very critical, the Father actually sees things in that person that you don't. That person is just hurt. And the parent that you have a hard time forgiving and can't let go of that maybe already is with the Father, the Father doesn't hold grudges like we do. He views everything through love. In the prophetic realm, there's only one way to grow higher. It's not through impartation. It's through the lens of love. And so as your love increases, so shall your prophetic experiences increase. My ability to prophesy over someone and really help them out and to give them a word from heaven doesn't come through a gift or anointing. It comes through my ability to Galatians 5, 6, this thing, where my faith grows through love. Faith only grows through love. It doesn't grow through grunting, striving. In the Old Covenant, a high priest had to wear white linen in the temple because he wasn't supposed to sweat. And so to be spirit-filled, what does that mean? To be spirit-filled is to just be so surrendered to who he is inside of me where the Goliaths that come at me, I actually relax as they're going down. The Father showed me this morning that there's such a difference in our assignment and our identity in people who are getting exhausted in their assignment doesn't mean they have a great work ethic. It means they're not abiding. 
Because the whole principle of Psalm, of, excuse me, Isaiah 40, 31 is those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. The word wait in Hebrew is not sit back and wait. The word wait is to serve, it's to go, it's to give. If I'm becoming exhausting in what I'm doing for God, it's, it doesn't make me a bad person. I'm just not doing it with God. I might be doing it for God, but not with him because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so the idea of burning out is a man-made uh, phenomenon. Moses was healthy as a horse at 120 years old and marched to the top of the mountain. Caleb was still fighting into his 90s. The idea of retirement, I don't really know what that is. I'm not so sure it's even biblical. The, the more I'm abiding in this John 15, one through five thing, I actually should be getting strength as I work with God. Jesus said in the upper room, I no longer call you servants. You're not my servant. I get really skeptical when someone's always talking about serving and dying to self and then it's producing exhaustion. It actually should be producing in the Greek this epirepto thing, the word cast, where when he goes into Jerusalem, I just take my cloak and I cast it on the donkey and he sits on it. It's actually possible not to burn out. It's possible to become so in love with the creator of the world that when he puts you into your assignment, it actually gives you energy. So to say, well, it's got to be obedient to God. This is going to kill me. I'm not so sure about that. To be obedient to God, I get to uh, feast and I get to sit down in green pastures and I get to take, take naps beside still waters. And if I think that these things are here to take my enemies away from me, I miss the whole point. The whole point is to learn the art of sleeping heavy in a rocking boat. If the wind starts blowing two miles an hour and I fall apart, doesn't make me an evil person. Doesn't make me a bad person. The father just says, get higher. Get higher. There's nothing more enjoyable than when the winds of Pentecost come and changes in your life. It's not from the enemy. It's actually from the Father. And instead of you wigging out, you learn to sleep in uncertainty. The moment that I expect clarity on my assignment, it's an illegal thought pattern in the kingdom of heaven. I should have 100% clarity on who I am in Christ. I'm clean. I'm beloved. I'm prayed for. I'm taken care of. Uh, you know, the same power that raised the king from the grave is in me. I'm, I need clarity on that. The expectation from Paul, he says 189 times, is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. I should have clarity on that at all times. But I hardly ever, and it's not an expectation of heaven or heaven's king. It's never an expectation to have clarity on my assignment. Assignments typically in the kingdom change often. So when you say, okay, I'm taking a new position. The father's asking me to move. Rarely ever do you see someone hang on to the same assignment for a lifetime. Hardly ever. Because the winds of Pentecost blow a lot. He told Nicodemus this. He said, the wind does whatever it wants to. The only thing that remains the same is who I am in Christ. But if I ever get too comfortable with where I'm at in the kingdom, that's actually not a good place. Bridgeway is being forced out. And I got a prophetic word on this this morning. It's fantastic. Bridgeway is being called to a higher place that's going to seem really, really bumpy. And it's going to go from a local work to a global work. And actually, it's not coming from the enemy and nothing's wrong. I've never been happier in my life. I've never been more relaxed in my life. But in Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, when the wind started blowing, some people like it and laugh, and other people look for security. And I'm talking about people who are in Christ. If you're used to coming to the same place, sitting in the same seat, doing the same thing, there's nothing wrong with routine as long as the routine's not your God. 
there's nothing wrong with strategy as long as strategy is not my God. But if I'm seeking strategy while wishing the winds would just stop blowing, I'm never going to get strategy. And so I'm going to show you a, a couple of passages today on a biblical perspective of what happens when uncertainty comes to your life. And it's from the Father, not from the enemy. You know, charismatics talk about the enemy so much. Quit talking about him. He's so insignificant. He's completely insignificant. If you hear the voice of your father, the voice of the father is so soothing and so firm. The other voice is so yapping and condemning. That big voice will just drown out the little voice. This is not the place to say, well, the enemy's doing this, the enemy's doing that. I got a question. What's the father doing? Because the enemy's never going to stop yapping. You know what you do to a little dog that's an illegal dog, that's a diseased dog? You don't play with it. You tell it to hush. And you tell it to get out of your jurisdiction. Get out of the king's domain, kingdom. The Father's given us keys in the kingdom to get the enemy out. out. And James says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. The way you resist the devil primarily is to be so connected to the Father that that little dog says, I don't know if I really want to mess with this person. If the enemy is messing with someone a lot, it's because the enemy knows that person has gotten away from the shepherd because the enemy can see the shepherd really well. The enemy will not go near someone typically that's really, really abiding. They don't want to have to put up with it. They may give a dream here and there, but it's like that person's too grafted in. I can't do anything. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, enemy strategy is to always get you away from the vine. The Lord had said to Abram, now I love this. Abram back here is a polytheistic society. There's many gods. Abram's not really sure who this Jehovah is. In their mindset, religion of the day, there's a God of everything. God of the moon, God of the stars. I'm not going to go into all that. But this God seems to be a little bit different. His name is Jehovah. Abram would not know him as father the way we do. Obviously, Jesus had not manifested on the earth yet. Gone to Calvary. This is a long time ago. This is Genesis 12. This is near the very beginning. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. People say a lot, God is so mysterious. He's not as mysterious as people think. He's quite predictable. Because when you know the nature of someone, you can always predict his or her behavior. Now, if you want to take a note in your heart, take a note on this. God does not like clarity on your assignment. Therefore, if you come down front and you want me to pray for you and you're asking about clarity for your next assignment, I'm going to give you the five fingers of fellowship right across your face. All right, right there. That was funny. He just doesn't value clarity. He's the great hound of heaven, as Richard Foster says. He's the one that comes to Abram. Abram, I want you to leave everything you've ever known. Charismatics are funny. We all want to raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and have fun with all that. But no one talks about the second part of that passage. Jesus gets 72 men. Come here. I want you to go into each town and do my works. And one more thing. Don't take anything with you. <laughs> The people that I take to Haiti that pack the most in their suitcases typically have the most to unpack in their souls. It doesn't make me a bad person if that's me. It just shows that I'm hanging on to some stuff that's not the Father. You see, I came into the world. It's, it's my mama's Mother's Day. We're going to a great meal today, November 18th, 1972. Her child was born. And I look back on that day. I didn't come with anything. As soon as I got here, I couldn't help myself. And I didn't have any clothes. God's funny. He gets you here in a very vulnerable place. 
very vulnerable for the mom and the child. God loves vulnerability so much that he says, I'm, you're going to start naked. And you're going to need a lot of help. And we spend the rest of our lives looking for fig trees to cover us in leaves and to find everything to hide from other people. Until you get to the place where you're like, here am I, God, send me. Isaiah 6, 1, he says, just send me. God's trying to get Abram to a place where Abram can't trust in anything other than the Father, Jehovah. So Abram, it's no big deal. I just need you to lead everything you've ever known and just, and just uh, come. Okay, Jehovah, this is going to... I'm going to need to go to a Randy Clark conference and get an impartation before I jump out here on the ledge and I jump out of the boat. Where are we going? Oh, we're going to go to a land that's called I'll Show You. Either God is sadistic or he knows what he's doing. You're of no use on a kingdom sense until all of you is out of you and you're fully connected to him. But what even trumps that on a covenant sense? Lovers aren't truly lovers until they're fully connected. Even the act of intimacy inside the context of marriage is about two becoming one physically. Hebrew word for know is yada. It means to be close and intimate with. In the Greek, it's gnosko. It means to be close and intimate with. What Jehovah is saying to Abram, leave everything you've come. come. Your heart, your heart desires deep love. Come be connected to me. The whole salvific story of God is more about connecting to the Garden of Eden than it is going to see your gold streets one day. Because in the Garden of Eden, it was all about one thing. He walked with them in the cool of the day. It hasn't changed. That's what he desires for me today. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a lot of things manifest in the kingdom that are so much fun. But what your heart truly desires is that one-on-one walk with him in the woods. Nothing beats it. When you can lay hands on the sick and see them heal and prophesy and get phone numbers and God's breaking in and the winds blow. I got a phone call last night from a young man I'm mentoring. said the winds were blowing so hard in his house it scared him. There's nothing better than when that stuff happens. But what your heart really loves is that just walk with Jesus. When he's telling you stuff about your kids and you're praying over them. Because at some point, and Abram learned this and he does know it now. At some point... The person you're walking with on the journey is more important than the destination. But I submit to you, 95% of spirit-filled Christians care more about that destination than they do packing their bags. Abram, leave everything you've ever known, pack up your family, and go to a land. We're going on vacation. It's called the land in which I will show you. God will intentionally not give you clarity on your assignment because he wants you to grow in your identity and your security in him. You know you're growing in God when you care more about intimacy with him than you do your 401k. And the kids you're so worried about providing for one day have a father who's more real than you. He'll take care of them. I want to go into each town with nothing. I want to wake up every day and say, I have no idea how long you want me here, but I just want to walk with you. I just want to walk with you. I had a dream Tuesday night that Bono picked me up in a $12 million airplane. And uh, me and six other global leaders were on the airplane. Bill Johnson sat right beside me. We flew across the world and we flew five times faster than we were supposed to. And there was a window down. It was a wild ride, like a convertible. And I kept thinking in the airplane, why are we going so fast? Five is the number of grace. And uh, we played golf on the other side of the world. And I woke up and the father said, Bridgeway is now in an apostolic movement stage. Things are going to move five times faster 
said, there's a mighty and heavy wind coming. The wind's not from the enemy. It's from me. But he said, Chad, I'm going to teach you and train you on how to lead during Pentecost winds. He says, very few can do it because most people would rather stay in Egypt. Most people would rather not pack their bags. Most people would, they'd like to go serve the Lord, but take a lot of stuff with them into the towns. Very few people like change and can navigate it well. And he said, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you on how to lead during horrific. I actually heard torrential winds. <laughs> Last night, a guy I'm mentoring said wind started blowing so hard. It scared him. His name's Micah Usher. He's a pastor in Atlanta. You'll, you'll meet him one day. I believe the call on this house is only for greatness in one area. And that's to cultivate and develop a deep culture of friendship with God. Because at the end of the day, what God called Abraham to do was not trumped by God's relationship with Abraham. He changed his name and then he said, look up into the sky. You see all those stars? That's going to be your inheritance. But then he would later go to call Abraham something that shocked the Jewish world. He said, this is my friend. He's my friend. It's one thing to be born again and go to heaven when you die. It's a whole different thing to be one of his good friends. If I'm straining for the prophetic, it's ridiculous. You don't strain for the prophetic. You lean back, Psalm 91.1, back into Jehovah. And he will speak loud and fast to people who always have their bags packed. And you know what you should have in those bags when they get packed? Not much. I'm going to the beach this week with Wendy. We're going for a few days at Amelia Island. I'm taking a pair of flip-flops, a swimsuit, and I'm going to read Steve Jobs' book. I feel like I'm supposed to read it there. When we get there, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang out with the Father. I'm going to tan this beautiful body he gave me. I want to go after a misconception right here. Most people shake and shake. Okay, God, I'll pack my bags. I'll pack my bags. Then let me go die for you because this is going to be so miserable. You may be listening to the spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of religion because the spirit of religion loves to convince you that if you pack your bags, you're, you're, you're just walking to the guillotine. We're going to France. It's over. Not only are you not going to a guillotine, look at what you're going to. This is from the word, all you word people. Next verse, verse two. I will make you into a great nation. Okay, hang on a second. Abram, just leave the little bit you have. Go to the land in which I'll show you. I don't want to tell you right now because I got to get you connected to me. And then I'm going to make you a great nation. I didn't say that. God did. Either God's an embellisher or he's telling the truth. There's no thin line here. Make you into a great nation. Has it ever occurred to you that the other side of you packing your bags is a destiny so gregarious that it'll affect your great, great, great grandchildren? God moving in your life is not just for you. He wants to bless you, but he wants to bless you. So a child, 12 generations removed that you'll meet a thousand years from now in heaven one day is impacted because you packed your bags. How many of us leave things unredeemed because we won't pack our bags? My yes today could be a breakthrough for a nation in a hundred years. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And hey, I'm going to bless you. But let me just tell you this now. God, when God says he's going to bless you, most people believe that he will only train you through hardship. Bridgeway's coming into a place he's going to train us through favor. God will pour out his kindness, his resources, his abundance, his words, his songs, his dreams, and you will have to ask him to stop. I, I have recently, I've been counting my blessings a lot. I, I told my dad the other day, yesterday we were talking, 
I just look around and he's, he's, I've never met anybody like him. But he's genius at what he does because most of us try to get the character of our friends or children or spouses to change by always pointing out what they need to work on. Sam, you need to do this. Ruthie, you need to do this. We, we all do it. The father sees something in us, like when he prayed today, he sees something in us that we don't see and he will woo us not through wrath. He will woo us through positivity, through blessing, through favor. And when you become so full of gratitude, it actually forces more doors open if you don't do it through manipulation. Father, you are too good. I just thank you so much. It's no big deal to pack these bags. Oh, Chad, you have no idea. Just keep following. Don't stop. Don't just keep following. If you're not concerned about the destination and you're not even concerned about the breakthrough, you're not counting fruit, you're just walking with the Father, you get 12 years down the road, you turn around, you're like, I had no idea my life had a part in that. And he says, it wasn't just your life, you're the tip of a spear on a movement because you're obedience. Don't go after signs and wonders and healings and all that. Don't go after the prophetic. Pack your bags and walk with Papa. What are you going to do in heaven? Hey, listen, I need to pray over you. You're like you're walking with a limp. Nobody walks with a limp in heaven. Charismatics going to be bored out of their mind when they get to heaven because there's no stuff to do. Not if the goal of your life is to build friendship with God. If the goal of my life is to build friendship with God, and by the way, nothing infuriates the religious spirit like this message. Even some people in here, it nothing. This is like top of the food chain. I prayed at the National Day of Prayer downtown Wednesday at First Press downtown, and I got to meet 10 or 11 other pastors. I'm just telling you, if the message of deep friendship with God gets so intimate and gets so personal that what you'll do is you'll rub up against a religious spirit and people who, who have a hermeneutic on Psalm 23 that's unbelievable, but the gap is there's just a lack of connection with the shepherd of Psalm 23. The goal of Bridgeway is not to have a hermeneutic on Psalm 23. It's to know the shepherd of Psalm 23. It's for the children's wing to be so prophetic, people are scared to go down there. Y'all aren't listening. I'll make your name great. Well, it's not about me, God. It's not about me. I just want to hide behind you. Get out of that all that whole false humility. God wants to make your, your name great too. Well, it's all about God. And God says, well, that sounds so religious, but I love my kids so much that I know that I'm the one that you're worshiping. I want to make your name great too. It seems like we're giving God glory when we say that all the time. He doesn't like that. Abram, I'm going to make your name great. Abram is not in heaven going, God, just don't let them know it's me. I'm glad you used me on the earth. I just want to go over there and hang out with Adam and Eve and their mistakes. I'll just sit over there. I don't, I, I don't deserve this. I guarantee you, you walk in, you're going to know who it is within 30 seconds. He's going to say, you're related to me. I'm your great, 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 great grandfather. Keep going a hundred times. Abram, I'm going to make your name great and you'll be a blessing. Verse 3. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. David never sat in the shepherd's field thinking about the destiny of Goliath. It never entered his mind. All he did was get to know Jehovah. A lion and a bear came and through friendship with God, not the anointing, through friendship, this combustible volcano towards the enemy happened. And that by the time he got to Goliath, he never said, this is what I'm prepared for. Quit worrying about what you're preparing for. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're becoming. And at some point, the destination is irrelevant when you just wake up one morning and realize, I am really good friends with God. Jesus says it this way in the kingdom. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your assignment. Don't worry about that. 
You just focus on today, for tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. And then David gets to Psalm 23 and he goes, oh, green pastures, still waters. I'm going to have, I'm not even done, but I want to do an invitation real quick for you to stand up. If you are in the best season of your life, the hungriest you've ever been, so full of God, when you sneeze, gold dust shows up. When you, if you, because all we tend to do is give invitations for people who are just really struggling. And I get it. I've been there. But I'm in the best place I have ever been in intimacy with the Father. I wake up in the morning, I just feel his presence. If you are in the best season of your life, I want you to stand up right now. Here's what I want to do. And don't feel condemned if you're not standing up. Here's what I want to do. I want to speak a blessing that he would double it. I want him to double it. Where you have a hard time concentrating. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, Holy Spirit, double this joy. Double this connection. May you get so close to the Father that it becomes eerie to you. May you hear, may you hear a literal angelic choir in heaven in your dreams. May your dreams go to such a place where the, that, that veil is so thin between there and here. In other words, may you know the Father the same way Jesus did. May the prophetic not even matter. May it just be about friendship in Jesus' name. Amen. That's awesome. That is awesome. I do feel like he's raised me up to go against misconceptions that people have. The fun part for me is I hit the religious spirit a lot. And I become very unpopular with other people who are absolutely brilliant in the scriptures. But what I love is it just, it, I'm learning so much about him and seeing just so much fun stuff in the kingdom that it's, it's continuing to, the word repent in Greek is metanoia, it means to change the way you think. He's showing me that he actually changes our behavior through favor. And people think it's all about hardship. Do you know that even in the midst of suffering, that so much of the church loves to preach, a segment of the church, even in suffering, it's gorgeous and beautiful. So if you ever hear someone talking about suffering all the time and they don't talk about the joy of it, it it's suffering, but it's not coming from the Father. Even the Father's suffering produces happiness and joy. Go read Paul. So Abram packs his bags and what happens? He goes to the land in which I will show you, becomes one of God's best friends. From this man's seed would come the lineage of the greatest human being that would ever be born of a woman. And this human being came with one message. What Abraham had with God, now you will. And it's not just to you Jews, it's open to Gentiles. The whole world is now available. I believe Satan is in shock at what we don't know. I think, I think the whole demonic realm is in absolute shock at what we don't know. John 8, once you know truth, truth sets you free. And once you find freedom, you become an unstoppable force. Death has no sting over you. I did a funeral last Sunday. Death can't touch you. Gossip can't touch you. Slander can't touch you. Going to prison can't touch you. Hardships can't touch you. You become Teflon in the spirit. The enemy gets to the place where it doesn't matter what he throws at you. He cannot take away what you have with the Father. And there's one thing we can't impart to each other. We can't impart our own history with this God. What Abram had with Jehovah, he couldn't give it away. He could just stand before millions of Israelites up in heaven and Gentiles and just say, I led the way. I don't know why God picked me, but my name's Abraham and my God's a good God and he wants to bless you. 
that same God that blessed Abraham wants to bless us, wants to bless Bridgeway and wants to bless you and wants to train you through his goodness. Let's stand together. May this week you grow in such friendship with the Father that people around you that notice that something's different about you. May you celebrate your moms today. And for all of you in here who your mom has gone on to be with Jesus, may you know and believe in the core of your heart that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. This life is so short. Your mama's waiting on you. It's going to be okay. In Jesus' name, may you be good friends with God this week. Amen. God bless.